Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Vish and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Vish's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, Uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as though he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like, what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Ben Gunning is a multi-talented musician, singer, and songwriter based in Toronto, Ontario. Originally from Point Claire, Quebec, Gunning used to be in a band called Local Rabbits, in which he shared singing and songwriting duties with Peter Elkis and earned the band a reputation for being such hot shots. Nico Case asked them to back her up for a spell there. Uh, Gunning has gone on to have a fascinating and impossible-to-genre-classify solo trajectory, and he currently co-runs a label called Tone Bonk with musicians Tom Gill, Robin Dan, and Kieran Adams. Just before I moved out of Ontario in December of 2019, Ben and I met at a small but hustly and bustly Toronto cocktail bar to discuss his music history both before and well after Local Rabbits, his views on liberated music making within the confines of conventions, traditions, and preconceived expectations, the secrets of bands that are musical democracies, why viable careers in underground music don't really exist anymore, his thoughts on DJ culture, his latest album, Nature, future plans, and much more. 
a part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at MasseyHall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Sloan, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 544th episode of Creative Control, featuring the thoughtful and super, super talented Ben Gunning with your host, me, Bishkana. Hi, pretty good here. <laughs> good, good. Thanks for uh, meeting me. And uh, where are we? What is this place? Northwood. This is called Northwood. Yeah. Why did you pick this place? Why are we here? It was a uh, practical place to choose, <laughs> given our uh, where we need to go in a little while. Right, so yeah. Right, right, right. Do you come here often? I don't mean I'm not picking uh, you up. Oh, I have been. Yeah, it's pretty relatively close to where I live. Yeah. Okay. It's a. Is it a cocktail bar primarily? I'd say they're mostly known for cocktails. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a cocktail person. What did you have there? You have something. It's called, they called it a mezcal old-fashioned. What does that mean? That sounds like a, a madman drink. I'm very naive uh, about the drinking. Uh, I don't old, drink. Uh, I ordered oh, yeah. a Mexican Coke. That's what I ordered. It's, I've never ordered this before, so I, I, I'm assuming they followed the same approach to an old-fashioned, which <laughs> is to kind of sweeten it and put some bitters in there. I think that's kind of the main components. Okay. Otherwise, instead of using whatever you'd use, like a bourbon, they use mezcal. Okay. That's as far as I can go. I'm not a cocktail uh, <laughs> connoisseur. You're not a cocktail guy from way back or nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. No wax mustache. Really. <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice, too. I don't remember the last time we, we did something like this. Uh, I know you were on my, what, I had a CBC show. Did we go for breakfast and stuff? We did go for breakfast one time. Okay. I had a ba- I, I chose a bad place. You did? I remember it was like kind of supposed to be a classic place, but it was very like uh, lackluster diner kind of thing. I think I'd been to it either before or again since you took me. Okay. So you weren't the only one. Yeah. And I'm glad we can't remember the name because it avoids a libel suit. That was like, uh, what, 10 years ago or something. Probably. Maybe less, but yeah, something like Beige Blur was the record, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so probably that going is, back. Like, that is 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 10 and change. 10 and change. And, and uh, you've released how many records since that one? Three, I've four? Released three records since that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I talked about this with our mutual friends, Rob Benby and Peter Elkis, when they were on a few weeks ago. Your band, The Local Rabbits, meant a lot to me when I was a kid. Good to know. We were, but the, we were both kids, weren't we? Were, aren't we around the same age? I'm like 41. Uh, I'm 43. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was quite young in that band. Yeah. But yeah. you seemed uh, older. You seemed a lot older than me. 
at the time? Because well, you were on stage. And yeah, you were like yeah a, it helps. <laughs> so I, it's Power me- imbalance. Yeah. <laughs> it's meaningful to me to, uh, to get to talk to you on this show. Um, so I, I want to kind of start from the beginning. The new album is Nature, right? Yes. And it's quite a bit different than, let's say, Beige Blur, some of your rabbit yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. How would you characterize it in comparison to even the last record you made? Uh, well, the, the the record before was uh, Massive Love, and uh, I I would say that it's hard to imagine somebody that may have like stuck on board with stuff I've made from the beginning because I don't even I think it's rare that in this kind of environment that people uh, and myself included, and I'm a pretty big music fan. Like I I think it's rare that people kind of stay along for the ride. It's very difficult to pay attention to one single artist now. So, right. But in your mind, you imagine. I I try to imagine somebody who may have kind of perceived what I was doing or like got a little glimpse of it. Um, I think there's a thread maybe there from the beginning uh, that is, you know, like some musical leanings that I have. But production style is a a big factor in people's perception of music because we have a very like. Uh, archaic but deep-rooted like genre way of thinking about music and right. i i felt like uh maybe i took an anthropological uh, anthropological approach anthropological approach rather given that i have a degree in it i should be able to pronounce it but uh, <laughs> um, like a cultural studies approach almost i i i always i've always felt like if you're in it and you know how to make music that it's possible to um blend elements that have been I guess associated with certain genres and just treat them like musical elements while still being cautious about uh, appropriation appropriation and they and 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 also just like the gross yeah like a, not only cultural appropriation but just like artistic appropriation or just you know what I would sum up by saying somebody taking a random like record scratch sound and putting on a pop tune which right. we heard in like the early 2000s or something where it's just like here I'm acknowledging this genre or something right right, right. so uh, it was a really long winded answer but um, the, uh, the last uh, record was I think like instrumentally speaking it had a lot of synthesizers drum machine I would say that really the biggest changes between the last record and this one is that the tempos are maybe a little faster there's a maybe more of a an overt like house influence on some of the tunes but that would be misleading to somebody who's like a a house fanatic uh but it has those a lot of, more of those tempos but really for me it's been a continual progression in my taste and and challenging myself and continuing to try to be useful as an artist make something that i don't think uh is maybe represented that well and try to be true to myself and not be uh, tricking anyone or patronizing anyone. That's interesting. Like, it seems like you are making music in the way that a lot of people consume it now on the internet, that there's no genre anymore. Like, we kind of just listen to everything. And I kind of, when I was thinking back on some of our conversations, I remember being struck by, I think it was Beige Blur. What are your, is that your first solo album since The Little yeah, Rabbits yeah. ended? Yeah. You would kind of incorporate lyrical imagery that was very technological-based, like office computer stuff that I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like you, you, A lot of people weren't doing that at the time, kind of recognizing what was then modern technology 
and putting it into songs. Like rappers did it, you know, <laughs> like certain genres that seemed to be okay, but in pop and rock music, it just never happened. You seem to be really cognizant and conscious of trying to acknowledge the time you're in in your music. Is that fair to say? That is 100% fair to say. And I think I came off, I might do it again this time, but I come off as maybe a little aggressive in my opinion sometimes on these topics. I would say that uh, there's a lot of insincerity in uh, a lot of music I hear. And I feel like one of the paths that seems possible, particularly from a rock background, especially in the past before a lot of the genre busting became a lot more common as the internet and its kind of like ways of disseminating music really took off to the degree that we see today. Um, it felt like the, the normal path would be like, oh, I'm going to be a songwriter. And immediately there are some like presumptions about what that means. Um, and 19, I think 1960s, 1970s kind of mold, right? Yeah, like yeah. And the lyrical the, the ways of approaching lyrics were very are very much set in stone. And if you don't want to follow that, you pay the price because people kind of like to hear things that they're aware of, and they like to they like to reference you know like something else they hear and say, okay, well, this is in this tradition. Familiarity, familiarity, yeah. and, and but also like the whole especially 10 years ago and maybe amplified by being in Canada like the whole kind of critical realm as well is very very rewarding of people who accurately depict something that is already established right. which I find um, and that may sound arrogant but I that always drove me nuts and I felt yeah. like your job is to try to, try to like create something that uh, I would never be satisfied following that path so yeah. I kind of tried... To, I'm not... You know, I could, I could get bad shivers with some of the things I did on that record. It's a long time ago. It's yeah, still yeah, like a yeah. baby yeah. version of me, but... Um, right, right, right. But I, I was very conscious about the fact that I didn't want the lyrics to be like a false, kind of like rootsy, folksy approach to songwriting. Although I value some of those songwriters. If you're good, you're good. But I, I feel like, if anything, I err on the side of assuming people are not like... Uh, Sincere, and I feel like there's a lot of like, yeah, just capitalizing off those those modes or something. And people yeah. want to survive, right? They yeah. want to be like, I, they want to be a known artist. Everybody sort of does in the back of their mind if they're putting stuff out there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to pat on the back right away, that's probably the best route for you. <laughs> but other people probably don't necessarily feel that burden. They may just some people's relationship with music is, I heard this thing. I like it, so I'm going to do something similar. Right, right. I Which mean, is also okay. It's sort of an... You mentioned, you know, baby version of you. I mean, a lot of first expressions are emulation, right? And then you kind of find your way, hopefully. I'm trying to figure out... The reason we're having this conversation, at least from my perspective, is when I first encountered you, when we were both probably teenagers, you were like a guitar-slinging rocker on some level. Is that... Would you kick? Is that a fair categorization? Sure, I played guitar and you yeah, played guitar and you screamed and yelled and sang. Well, uh, I thought it was singing, but you were singing, but it was <laughs> not good. No, it was wonderful. <laughs> I thought it was wonderful, joking, but joking. it was it was strong. Like it was a bold statement, and I even thought back then that you were uh, a very sort of um, analytical and critical writer of culture at the time. But your your first instrument was guitar, right? Is that fair to say? Yep. Yeah. Okay. How did you get into guitar? Uh, well, or music generally, I should say. Okay, uh, when uh, well, so my t- parents taking you back, taking you back away. My parents would have been uh, 
My parents are very cool, but they would have been a, maybe a little bit more square in their music taste if they didn't fall in with a group of friends uh, okay. that were kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to summarize them, but they were really into music and tapped into cut some left-to-center choices, definitely in the singer-songwriter zone, but they were aware and into things that maybe the mainstream would have been like. They used to go see Jesse Winchester in Montreal when he played there. It was somebody that was always playing at my house. and So music was always around. Music was always playing in the background. Um, my dad plays drums as well. Oh, okay. Um, it's not like he was always playing. He wasn't active like playing in bands when I was you know, alive, I don't think, but uh, except for with his friends once in a while. Sure. But it was always around. And then, I don't know, I guess through that, I just guitar seems like in a uh, picture... It's a long enough time ago that it's kind of like you're in the suburbs as a white kid. It's kind of like rock music is maybe just like a default yeah. area of interest because that's what's given to you. Um, you were and in so Point, it's like guitar, Point Claire, Point Claire, Quebec, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like okay, guitar, you know, like so I like classic rock, you know, you'd hear it sure. that was available to me. I couldn't just be like, I want to find out about this obscure subgenre because no internet, of course. Yeah, so. of course. So, um, yeah, that was like just like a default decision. And then I was into it. I was into a lot of guitar-based music. I learned it. I sat there trying to learn stuff that I didn't even have any right to understand, and I, but I didn't have any proper like theory guidance. And then uh, I really was encouraged by the whole kind of like indie kind of uh, culture thing where it had the carryover from punk where it's like, hey, you need no expertise and... I really loved the idea that we can say, oh, shit, I could just form a band. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I met, uh, you know, Pete and Ryan back in high school, and we just started, like, writing tunes, albeit a little weak in some areas, but... Um, and it was a lot of my consciousness about, like, why I would continue making music when no more music is needed that I have now <laughs> was not there at the time. It's like, when you're a kid, it's just like, I'm doing this amazing thing. I'm awesome. You know, like, there's no contemplating... Anything, I don't think, when you're, you know, 17, 18. You're an overthinker, aren't you? Do you overthink? Oh, I think... Or do you think that... Do you think I think the right pe- amount. Do you think <laughs> other people are underthinking, perhaps? Not really... Con- like, you just said something very selfless on one hand, but I think also potentially a bit self-defeating. Like, why make music when there's enough of it going around? That's a message you've just conveyed. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... Uh, I think it's worthwhile everybody thinks about that. Maybe that sounds defeatist. I'm not sure... It could be, because I, I don't think it's healthy that knowing my own arc as, as a, a kid or a young person, you, you should not feel like, we don't want to go back to the realm where it felt like, oh, there's the radio, and everyone like, you know, thinks about like 70s, you know, the enemy era of like FM radio. It was like this, the whole punk thing comes out of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. whatever. Sure, sure. I mean, nobody should feel intimidated about participating in music but if you're gonna like record music and put yourself out there as like a product essentially yeah then and if you're an adult you at a certain point you want to go you'll have to go why why am i doing this because it is it's not rewarding a lot of the time i mean for one in a million it may be but a lot of time it's just like a slog most of the people that i'm you know, that I still hang out with, I still play music. Like, everybody's had that conversation where you're going, like, the hell are we doing? Like, there's no, yeah, there's no way sure. to make a living off this. It's, and it's generally disappointing. And it's such a fickle kind of transient, 
over like just overabundant realm right now that yeah, yeah. you really have to contemplate that if you're not to me and in the, again some people wouldn't even describe it this way but some people's focus like they fuse together careerism and to me I, I've always seen those as separate things like to, to be like oh I'm, I'm going to do this thing and I want to live off it and you know, I want everything and I want to be known for it yeah there's not really that many paths to be like an original, right. you know, artist sure. and, and and buy a house out of that. At no, the end that's, of it. So I think that's diminishing for all artists, not just so. Yeah, so I do think it's important to try to get back to your question. I do think it is important to be conscious what you're doing, what you're putting out there, not to the degree that it is paralyzing when you're somebody that's just trying to experiment with music and start. You don't want yeah. to lose that experimental thing, and I yeah. think that oblivion is great. But at a certain point. Yeah. You have to decide, like, why am I doing this? But and you, you uh, to my in my memory, and you know, as you may recall, I would go see your band play a lot. And you say you got into guitar and you're self-taught, but you are. Uh, you, I mean, at the time when I would see you play so much, we were all just blown away by your playing. Like you were very good at the guitar. And uh, does that carry over in other aspects of your life? I don't want to put you on the spot. Are you particularly good at things, Ben? Are you that kind of guy? Uh, thank you very much. But uh, <laughs> A, indie rock in the 90s and early 2000s was not a, a realistic uh, bar for good playing, necessarily. <laughs> you play, but you, that's, the, that's why well, you stuck uh, out. You, got, you and Pete would play, and the guitar interplay was astonishing like that's why it stood out i mean you guys maybe matt murphy of the super friends certain people were just like high level there was a very anti-musical aspect to the kind of indie rock yes uh, what would you call it culture framework whatever yeah Yeah. all the way through to criticism that is still there with older school kind of like outlets like i still see it i don't read much music criticism so yeah right just but it's still there's a vapor of it still there. It's mostly gone because it's a completely different world now. But yeah, yeah. But that was something I definitely reacted against, and I had to be, I had to fuse together my appreciation for groups that were that didn't value that, and be legitimate about the things that I liked, that I was getting into that did value like good playing, and 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 also had an interest in things that were like deemed uncool in sort of the confines of indie rock. So I think we tried to find some common ground and always enjoyed putting a little bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a pill in the ice cream. I've used that analogy (laughs) a lot of times, but like it was always fun to like rub our peers the wrong way by some of our musical choices or like production choices. And I think that's really... Your merchandise was always pretty weird. Heinous, yeah. I was telling. Un- I was telling. Unwearable. I have the Rita McNeil local rabbit shirt still. Oh yeah, you should. Yeah, that should. We. <laughs> yeah, that would. That should, please edit that out. The fact that that even existed. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, you know, there was a sense of fun at the time too to that band, that I think you were kind of. Pete described it recently as kind of being sort of maybe self sabotage, but I actually thought it was a punk attitude you were kind of railing against the the powers that be a little bit as the local rabbits would you say that was true i would say that is true i think i still have that actually and i and i um i don't know yeah i i do feel like your job i i think i said the word as an artist and i when people say that it makes me want to vomit so <laughs> delete that as well but like again a sense of purpose is important if you're going to spend time on something and if you're going to contribute to something in an over 
and a saturated culture. Yeah. Um, I do think having a healthy reactionary streak is good because it forces you to like contemplate like what is needed. Now, how you use that is is another thing. I mean, there are people who are so focused on that that it, it almost supersedes anything else. I I do like the balance between like something that satisfies you, something that that may turn other people. I, I it's easy to turn like a geek off. But I, I like turning my potentially my peers off. Why is that? What does that say about you're contrary on some level? I think so, but I, I want to make sure that I find that sweet spot in my taste that uh, that forces me to explore maybe an area that is not being explored. Because what's the point of just reiterating something that everyone likes already? You would be very critical in your songwriting, even in the local rabbits. Like you would pick a subject or an idea, and. Some, I, I always thought it was things that mostly bothered you, <laughs> and you would really home in on them in very interesting ways. Like, do you remember the power of that? Like, I can be critical of something in the confines of a goofy indie rock song. Do you do you remember that sensation? Uh, I felt the ability to like write about whatever I wanted, and I did focus on that, which is a bit immature, and that's part of my personality that I do want to work on because I can tend to be very negative. Uh, it's easy to write in a negative manner, and I've tried to like evolve a little bit. But that was no. It was ne- honestly, it was very. It wasn't as designed as as you might perceive, or maybe not. But it certainly wasn't. It was chaotic. We thought we. It was like we're in a band. People like us. We're performing. We would like kind of like we were on tour, and we would rock. We would act like rockers like we would actually get like hammered and like try to find people the next day like (laughs) as opposed to just doing a photo shoot where we look like we're all tired it's like we actually were the band that didn't show up on time (laughs) (laughs) i'm not proud of that but you know like we were it was it was real i'm illustrating that we were not organized and the eclectic what's what's the word eclecticism eclecticism of the band it's my la- my last chance to mispronounce a word. Um, <laughs> You've had one of these uh, drinks here. The cocktails. true, I'll blame it on that. Yeah, blame it Not on the just a no, no, poor <laughs> command of the language. Um, it was a com- uh, it was a complicated band. On some it was level. a bit of a weird mishmash of of every- and there was I would be lying to say that didn't cause like a rub. I mean, certainly there was like a taste clash at times, and I think when we parted ways that probably came to a head but there were also practical reasons but while we were happening it was like we have an album everyone's got material there was some sort of like oh, okay there was an unspoken like you're gonna do this much but the output was like I could imagine if I was confronted with a humongous local rabbit CD of like 20 bloody tracks or whatever the hell it was in the CD days yeah 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 you'd be going what the hell is this band about it was right. like, like you know I'm happy that we left some kind of good memories with people because I look at it and go like this is a very strange output <laughs> I well, don't like you, how, without the context you'd just be like what on God's green earth are these people well, trying to do you know it was like, an age uh, particularly in your community where all, a lot of bands were democracies uh, meaning like I mean you'd have multiple singers and songwriters yeah, right. uh, you and Pete had very different styles uh, I, we, I tried to broach this with Rob and Pete, not to keep alluding to this episode we recently did, but I tried to broach this. Like, I really feel like you and Rob Benby would write these more acerbic songs that were a little less traditional, like in the realm of 
singer-songwriter or whatever, and I thought Joel and Pete kind of, as Joel progressed, he definitely did more of that, I thought. Uh, at the time, there was a smart alecky vibe to his stuff as well, but there was something about that dynamic of having, except it was sort of the opposite. In the Rabbits, I, my sense is you did most of the songs. Uh, like you would yeah. write and record most of your songs and Pete would have fewer. And the Hermit, it was the opposite. So you have, would you agree with that characterization that your songwriting was a little more different out of genre than Pete's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, I think Pete would be comfortable with that as well. Yeah, right? and he was, yeah. I think. He, he, he got it. So it made for a fascinating dynamic. And I, I just wonder if you're saying that kind of maybe is why it came to a head. It didn't really feel like it should continue on some level? Yeah, I can't, I'd have to go back. But, I mean, I moved to Toronto. That was a big one. But Oh, right. It felt like, for me, it felt like I just want to do what I wanted and not worry about, like, everybody feeling like they had equal say yeah and right okay. and it got to like and it's that's just being in a band it wasn't necessarily like me and Pete's songs or the purport like the yeah, ratio yeah, of those yeah, yeah. it was more like if I want to just use drum machine I don't really want to worry about whether the drummer's feelings are going to get hurt do you think democracies like that like the ones I'm describing from that era was that an over romanticized thing was it over glamorized this notion of having everyone have a fair shake at Oh, you mean like, is your perception that it was like that democratic kind of like uh, wrong? Yeah, I wonder. Like Sloan and the Beatles really started this thing of everyone can sing and play uh, songs and it's fine. The record is the record. You were saying like your records had a certain eclecticism probably because of the different voices and the different says. And I just wonder if maybe all of you kind of went on, most of you went on and sort of took command of your own destinies you know I'm just going to write my own songs I'm the leader of the next band you know what I mean yeah I, I wonder if that's born of that experience of well, trying to please everyone for your first yeah from your first question I think sometimes I can't I can't speak for every band but it seems like to me from my observation yeah. that people like that idea of a band unit it's a good brand that people enjoy they like the they like to imagine you know like what's like the traditional fan things like, oh it's this unit the but monkeys reality, they're basically you, like the if monkeys if you look under the hood living in the house yeah I think the, the bands that are good at selling that aspect of the brand, brand are very conscious of it and the you know boardroom meetings that they're having to you know it's maybe not that cynical but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like yeah it's, it, it can't you can't operate in that kind of chaotic state that I described like I think it ended when it maybe would have had to be, and we've had we had meetings. I remember where like, you know, at one point it was like, oh, you sh- you need to improve your singing, like or something. Like it was just like, I I, I always what want- people external to the band said that no, too? like within oh, it's like oh. we we had made att- attempts at some point to be like, okay, let's organize ourselves or like, yeah, and it's like I don't, I ne- I can never get into that. I mean, I take music shouldn't feel like a business thing for me at any point and right. that's probably I could stand to get better at that but where the two things are like kind of too close together it gets it gets really weird and huh. I think I wish we were a bit more organized cause I wish we my big regret is that we didn't capitalize off what we were doing and like go to Europe just for fun to have more stories and more experiences right, right. we just toured Canada a gazillion times that was kind of a weird dangerous uncomfortable not a waste it, we have so many good experiences but like I would trade one of those tours for like going overseas or 
you know. Even you the know. U.S.? We did the U.S. a bit, you know, but... Yeah. But anyways, so I'm not sure that that kind of vibe that is being put out by those bands is was always the case. But there, you know, there are some bands that are chaotic enough that that's going to last. But you, I, I can't think of an example. Maybe you can, of a band that lasts like two decades, sticks around, and somehow like just has this natural thing. It, it becomes this forced thing after a while, where it's like, I can't imagine. I mean, what what does a U two hang look like? You know, like do they? Hang, you know, it's like they're. You know, we, we will never know for some of them. I can think of bands. Not that I care, but. No, no, no. <laughs> I assume Bono does a lot of the talking. No, I think. Uh, <laughs> Adam's probably really quiet. He doesn't really contribute. I can't even name all the members. Yeah, I know. So I have a bad example. From my, from my youth. No, I think they're, the bands that I, I, I really and truly love the most did have that vibe. Like, and I, and I, as I've gotten to know some of them. I think that's the case. They were a family, and it was a democracy, and they all contributed to the whole. And they persisted, or they broke up at the right time? Uh, well, one of them is on an indefinite hiatus, and so I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. Uh, they won't be back. They probably <laughs> won't joking. be back. No, they <laughs> might not be. It's true. But um, no, yeah, I think you're right. There's probably some, some aspect of but that. But that but is you, good, right? Wouldn't you rather preserve that period than this patronizing representation of like what you want as a band Absolutely. like you know what the listener wants as a band like so that they feel warm and fuzzy yeah no i i, I mean you performed at the thrush hermit reunion show in toronto mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and we had this whole conversation about this and i wrestled with it a little bit but like i went to go see that that tour in london ontario i couldn't make the toronto show and i had no nostalgia in me like i just was like no i like the hermit i'm going to go see them but I could tell, like, and Rob certainly struggles with, like, what are we doing? Like, to your point, like, why are we doing this right now? Thinking about, like, the existential question, like, why does this band need to be playing right now? But I went to the show and I lost it. Like, I didn't think of any of that stuff. I just was like, those are good songs. I love this band. I'm not transporting myself to that time when I was a kid because I think I'm a better person now. So it was just enjoying the music. So in the end, what I guess what I'm saying is the music was significant and I was going to say like you're saying this band dynamic stuff might be a little overplayed do you agree that certain bands and certain people have alchemy like a band chemistry like the rabbits seem to me to have real chemistry oh yeah we well me Pete and Ryan still playing this like oldies group yeah, that we right. got, got together just because it's the opposite of everything else I do it's it was it's very Songs are relatively easy to learn, although the harmonies can be kind of... It's tiring to remember all the parts, but... Uh, Oldies 990? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. just play, like, doo-wop and novelty right. stuff over the last 10 years. And we, used to, we start off playing at a little club in Toronto and just um, would, like, ram the place and, like, drink and play. And it was, it was social. perfect. Social, social fun. super fun. Yeah. But the reason I bring it up is because... The bond there and the the sense of humor and everything is definitely comes out of all the insane weird time we spent together that it would never happen in well, feeds, unless you're on a sports team or whatever. Yeah. I don't know whether circumstances lead to like adults spending that concentrated amount of time together, but uh, it feeds into the music you're playing. It feeds into what you're making if you love each other, like if you have that bond. I think is that is that I mean that is inherently an over romanticization of personal interpersonal dynamics but i think that's got to be there it could be it's hard to tell why else would you guys reconvene to do something totally for fun without the pressure of writing songs oh yeah in that case it was like we it was for me it was 
an experiment to see if we could do because the idea of doing like a rabbits reunion has been like absolutely something. It's, I I I have a lot of other projects going on, so like it's almost you see a reunion often with yeah. anybody yeah, you know yeah. like yeah, way outside of Canada it's just like the thing to do like right. if you had a band in the 90s it's like cash cow potentially you know whatever so and, and most of the ones I've seen by the way seem to be better than they were as young people it's very odd oh probably you mean like the playing and stuff yeah or, like they I that? feel like the tension that interpersonal tension that youthful ego and whatnot is gone so you just have people like focused on hanging out if and some of them, I'm sure, are business deals, you know, like yeah, let's just put the thing back together. But the ones that really feel real, all of that tension is gone, and you just have people playing. Maybe this is me psychoanalyzing, or like I could be, but, but I, I, I do think they play. I've seen like the Jesus Lizard in 2009. Oh, they did one. Okay, they've done two of them, and they yeah. still come together every once in a while. But I saw them in 2009, having seen them a bunch of time in the 90s, and I just a bunch of times, and I just thought this is better. Like. I don't know if that says more about me or them. But he doesn't get butt naked anymore, I bet. Yeah, he got a little naked. Okay. Yeah. You got to. Part of the show. <laughs> part of the Pay show. good money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he... Uh, that's an interesting point that you're raising, too. Like, are they just reliving our memories of them? See, that all of that is it's confusing. a reality. Yeah. I mean, you can't... I, the thing I choose to ignore is that... Uh, like I understand I, I, there are records that I put on because they make me feel good because I heard them so many times yeah. and that's an amazing thing and some people just leave it at that and the, they'll continue to seek things that give them sort of the same feeling as a way of inching a little bit forward or feeling like yeah. that. I'm talking listener perspective now right, right. I, I, anybody that makes music is a music listener as well uh, I I feel like yeah I, I need to give myself room to like throw on Van Morrison Avalon Sunset because I like listening to that record. It makes me feel good. It reminds me of being in my parents' house or something. Whatever. Right. But all, all all music listening has some transportive sense memory thing. Some of it, but unless yeah. unless you continue to try to like like seek out music that makes you feel uncomfortable that you don't like right away and mm. maybe don't like right away is the wrong word but just like an acquired taste in food or whatever I mean sure, some sure. people will just eat the same the same things <laughs> that are comfortable with some people are picky eaters some people will you know only you know claim to like you know the most cutting edge stuff but I think a combination is healthy I think though if you're not exercising the part of your taste and your your brain that maybe find some like intellectual connection first yeah then you're gonna stay in the same zone and if you want to do that that's fine but if you're making music i find that weird i I just don't understand that i mean if that's what you want your output to continue to be you can do you can keep doing the same thing and you know what maybe that's good you're gonna like you're probably gonna have like a group of people who will like what you're doing forever but i just can't I can't imagine doing that. I feel like there's this... I, I have so much to learn still. I've, I've learned a lot, and I have... I hang out with people who know, like, ten times more than me about music, and I want to continue to be engaged. And the feeling of just, right. like, resting on, like, your comfort zone, it doesn't... It's just not... It doesn't make me feel good, so... But you know. at the same time, you kind of want to know your core, I would think. Like, okay, here's I have the, no core, so I'm, I'm that, free of that. that. You're free of a core. Okay. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if anyone... I could occasionally get like a... You know, like some you get a sense like, oh, somebody likes this or whatever. I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, 
it's it's very difficult to perceive like whether you're connecting with people. So the small things where I feel like, oh, there's a connection there, I'll take that. But I just keep making music anyways. Yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the last Local Rabbits album? Do you remember? This is it. Here we go. Uh, I think that's the last one. Yeah. And is that is that that the record that has um, when the lights turn on? The lights turn on. The yeah. lights turn on is yeah. the song. I was thinking about that song as I was listening to nature because I and forgive me if this seems weird. Hit I, me. I always like I say I, I related to you as a as a I like a, I'm a lyrics guy I think good and I related to your writing on some level I felt like we both had a bit of restless anger like miss we're not really sure where it should be pointed but it's there and that song I I I was at school I think at the University of Guelph. And there was this strip that every university town has. Meat markets, clubs, kind of sleazy, weird crap. Like a lot of man stuff. And that song seemed to me to be sort of an indictment of that club culture. And the superficiality of it, maybe. And then I was listening to the new record. And I thought, wow, he's gone from... And I'm not... Maybe this is the weird connection. You've gone from sort of thinking about what goes on in those places to making music that could very well be played at one of these clubs. Is that a... You'd have to really squint your ears to think that that music would be played there, but yeah, yeah. there's a... You've gotten into kind of club and house music now as your tastes have opened up, and I appreciate that, and that's well, fine. that's always been there. I mean, uh, but you, club music is, is yeah. a broad term. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> This is a wild theory, by the way. No, no, I like it. Yeah. It, it allows me to... It's kind of an open... It's a canvas for me. Um, <laughs> my brother got into DJing when I was still playing in the Rabbits, and yeah. it was like a huge uh, epiphany for me to like get over that taste hurdle um, and realize that different genres have different logic to them. And uh, to genuinely crack it and then realize like I can, I can like this, not like it because I want it on my CV of taste... But like it, like I actually genuinely get this and I understand that the things I was looking for aren't in this kind of music. That is a total thrill for me. And that doesn't happen all the time. But that feeling is something that has really driven me to continue to like explore other areas of music. And there's the music itself. And then there's the kind of milieu, the people that gravitate towards the music. And I feel like when I heard that song when it, when it came out in whatever, 98 or whatever it was, like, I can relate to this. Like, I don't relate to those people either. Again, I'm totally maybe misrepresenting that song. What would you say that song was about? Uh, I'm trying. I couldn't. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't off all the lyrics, but yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. But it's, I think it's, it's, I don't know that it was specifically aimed at like a sleazy club. But it was more of just about the kind of the illusion of the evening or something. Right, like, I, was, sure. I think it was broad enough to go there and so feeling like bottle service in there and like. maybe yeah, or, or also like maybe playing a show and thinking like mistaking like the the glory of the evening for something like that's going to last. You know, I, I think that was in there as well. But yeah, maybe okay. So I, I but I could see why you get that, and I think a lot of the lyrics point you to, to that. But I don't. I, I I never had a genre based mentality, or if I did, it was it was stamped out pretty early. Okay, and like that idea, like oh, this music is for for nitwit, like and this music is. I mean, that's totally wrong, and a lot of that kind of per, that uh, I don't know what would you call that, like that sort of genre prejudice. Like, is it a little deeper than genres? It definitely happened in a lot of music criticism, and I. I think I managed to find my way out of that in my way of thinking about music pretty early. Okay. And I think that's what led me to things that were way outside of rock music because I was very, really excited about cracking the code on different types of music. Well, I, thought, I think you saw, view, I, as you've progressed, like your rock music has gotten a bit more, what's the right word, technological? Like it's gone from the Rabbits, which had, you know, keys, guitar, bass, drums mostly to your you know you're incorporating more synthesized elements to the point where we're at with nature which sounds to me like a purely sort of machine oriented kind of sound is that fair uh no, I mean, I'm sure there's instrumentation I, on it, but the yeah, presentation well, and production. I could feels... get technical about the way we put it together, <laughs> sure. but it's very drum machine. I think maybe the tempos are are maybe overtly dancey to somebody who's not as familiar with sort of like that yeah, realm. Sure, but the way we made it like actually involved us taking like drum patterns and then we brought everything into a room and we have like live synth over oh, it. Okay. So it's just it's just not okay. The instrumentation is not like guitar bass drums and that's really been the case for my first record yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah however I think I'm interested in moving the music further and further away from overt song fo- pop song form I like kind of the openness the different approach to a piece of music that you would hear in not only like dance genres but like maybe jazz or something where right. it doesn't always have to be like I, I love a good concise pop tune and I probably still have a thread of that, but and I and I want to slip some lyrics in, but I've been trying harder and harder, like eliminate some of the, you know, density in the lyrics because I'm not sure that I like to hear it. I mean, I, just because I have a lot to say, like I'm spewing a lot of words right now. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't make that's not like necessarily somebody I want I want to hang out with, you know. So <laughs> likewise, just because I'm making music, that ha- I mean, I I'm proud of like. I did a record called Mal de Mera that was like a 13-tune, really dense, really complicated for me. Anyways, Absolutely, yeah. A lot of words, like the uh, concept album, for lack of a better description. But a cruise ship? Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's like, it's so stupid of me to think that anyone 
is going to like listen to it from beginning to end, grab everything I tried to put in there. But that's okay. Do you care about that? Do you care about uh, audience reception to your work oh, yeah, at this yeah. point? Oh yeah, I, not, but never to the point where I'm going to patronize somebody by by doing something I think they're going to like. But I, I absolutely live for. I'll do anything for a compliment, but I take a very long route. <laughs> I mean, I cook too, so that's a quicker route. It's like I made this thing. You right. know? What do you mean, you cook? You cook? Is that a thing you like for your oh, family? I mean, I, no, I'm just saying. Like, I like you know oh, making oh, a see. nice meal. Right. Like, sure. I'm just being. I'm admitting this childish thing that like anybody no, who mean, makes something has. We right. We want and, affirmation a little bit. I just absolutely. Wonder, but I, mean, I, I don't want to do it in a way that uh, I feel like I'm cheating myself and so I think there are those micro decisions that are made when you have this pressure of maintaining a band brand or your artist brand and you feel like you've got this possibility of money or a career dangling in the distance which should be a joke at this point for most people yeah if anything that and I think we're seeing the results of it it's liberated people to sort of just go this is it Despite Spotify's attempt to advertise to artists that, you know, or whatever, yeah. SoundCloud, they show, like, these cool-looking people going, like, oh, here are ways to leverage your stats, you know. It's, uh, it's like, <laughs> where's the money? I You've been liberated this way for a long, a long time. time. You yeah. had a day job, and this is something you do. Totally. As a creative It's a expression. bad look, though, because the culture's still not there. The culture still likes to see a particular type of person as an artist, and it's... I, that uh, that's not the reason that maybe I'm not a household name. I never would be, but uh, using myself as an example, I, I think though that it's it's it is a small barrier. Like even on the, the level that I'm working on or anyway, it's like people still somehow like to see this idea of like their idea of what an artist is. It's and it's, it's rather nefarious because I think they want the ideal of the artist is the suffering artist. The artist who is struggling—that's um, more romantic totally and easier agree. to totally kind of promote. And it's horrible. We're losing people to suicide and all sorts of mental health issues because Agreed. of this, and it's not cool. That is an interesting topic. I mean, it, yeah. it's a dangerous one because I might say the wrong thing. It's very sensitive, and, and whenever you invoke like uh, issues of mental illness, it's very complicated discussion. Absolutely, and yeah. the language around it changes a little bit, but. I always wonder what whether there are unique conditions my my gut is yes and I think you've alluded to it that would put an artist in that state and I wonder whether those conditions are about a, a way of appro- expectations a yeah. way of approaching it maybe some outdated notions about what it means I think we're in a transitional period that it's easy to talk about how like the internet's changed the way of consuming music and everything, but it also changes p- music makers' relationship with like what 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 is making music mean? And we touched on it in the beginning, but it it can really be disappointing. Well, but it's impacting all cultural forms. You remember that story from maybe last year or a few months ago of the actor Jeffrey Owens? He Pardon played. Th- there's an actor. His name is Jeffrey Owens. Okay. He played Elvin on the Cosby Show. Oh, yes, I know him. And, yeah. and so he, uh, I, I want to say it was last year, there was a big story because some idiot photographed him because he was working at a Trader Joe's. And it made, like it became a big thing that he was being shamed because he was an out-of-work I actor. I remember that now, yeah. Yeah, and 
I mean, we undervalue all cultural expressions to the point where that's what are we supposed to. So the, the subtext of that was that out of work actor should be doing anything except working at Trader Joe's. He should be he maybe he should be in a rehab center. He should be. I don't know what people were thinking. You know, like that's really screwed up. It's people, absolutely screwed people up. think that artists need to be... Maybe he's there because he doesn't want to take stupid-ass roles. Yeah. You know? Maybe he doesn't want to be in a, a shit TV show, which exactly. most of them are. Yeah. So yeah. good on him. But the same thing is true of musicians. Like, I think we're start, it's going to come to a head. We're seeing little glimmers of it. Like, that story really resonated with me. Same. How many musicians have I interviewed from my more safe purchase like when I worked at CBC and was making a salary and I'd be interviewing a band and they say I say when are you going on tour and they'd say well we all have day jobs so we're going to sort that out just would I wouldn't even think about it I'm like oh okay well good luck with that and now like I'm doing this thing and it's not a lucrative thing but I do it because I feel like it's something I need to do <laughs> and we're all feeling it right and I, 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 I don't have a, a great point to raise here but there's something going on in terms of how we consume and appreciate artists uh consume music and work it's not viable for any of us and i think you're raising these points a little bit as to why are we doing this it uh the monetizing part is the part that people focus on a lot yeah people get really upset like those i've seen you know musicians post on instagram like oh look at my like look at this hilariously low you know yeah. the check i got from right. spotify or whatever and it's it's like yeah okay that's that's hard to stop, that does tie into um, people's appreciation. But there's always been some weird, <laughs> I don't know, like uh, malaise or something with the idea of like monetizing off the arts, at least in music. Uh, there's something from the beginning, right? It's more like people but, but, people pay this phone. But people should pay like two thousand dollars, hundred percent. Like I've always thought, like and all and the music on it, I got for free. Totally. Yeah, and I and I feel like the we're talking before the uh, tape was rolling, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, about you know record collection or something. Yeah, which, yeah. Again, not precious about vinyl or anything, but the idea of like a limitation of any type really makes changes your relationship with music yeah and i think that paying for something when it is the only choice makes you take the thing out of the cellophane yeah, yeah which hopefully in the future we won't have that because that's a pollutant right but like you get home you look at it you're excited you listen to it because you spent money on it yeah not this constant influx, and it happens to me too. And like, I, I think I'm a pretty, I can be a pretty deep listener, but I really have to train myself to be a deeper listener. Well, we're both dads too. Like, I have, I listen to records when I have the time, and, uh, and the time is very precious. Um, so that's part of it. And I understand. I don't want to sound like a crotchety old man, but I do think we have to be conscious of how we consume and how it's impacting artists, uh, because or people who make stuff because they're not going to be able to make it anymore like it's just going to end i don't i'm not uh because we're agreeing so much i don't want to disagree but i think at this point proof is in the pudding we're that, gonna keep making stuff no matter what exactly yeah i mean i'm not just saying with me i mean that's 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 for me it's that's i need it i need to do it i i, I like to do it all my really like all my relationships outside my family pretty much are are friends that I've made through music and I continue to like experiment and it's just the way my way of like yeah. existing yeah 
sounds overly deep, but you know, and I and I feel like I have something to say, and I'll continue to do it until maybe I can't. I don't feel like I have, have a voice, but beyond that, you look at the output. Like if you do some deep digging on whatever, like SoundCloud or Spotify or whatever you use, I mean, you're gonna find that there's these people. I mean, look at this group Tennyson from. I think they're. I don't know. Are they from uh, Edmonton? I think that's right. Oh, yeah. you should be spending some time with <laughs> them when you go. Yeah, yeah. They're like zero years old. Yeah, they're brainiacs. The music is like so effing on point production wise. Yeah. Super smart. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe they're figuring out a way to make some dough, but clearly that's not the... No. And, and I could cite a million other, like, groups that are not known that, you know, or one-person things where, like, you listen to it, I know how much time... But like, that's, talking multi-hour... Okay, but that's also a weird thing. I am, We're making this show, right? And I've, I've made over 500 of these shows, and I've just given it to Apple, and I've given it to Google Play. And I said, here's all the content. They don't give me a thing. They don't give me any money. So I'm not getting paid for this? No. (laughs) And the music is the same. So the the loophole is we all have decided we're going to persist. And the company is like, great. We don't have to pay you. Like, we're going to give you 15 cents for your song, whatever it is. It's a complete monopoly on our creative impulses because they know we are insatiable and we can't stop and we want to express ourselves. I don't want to depress you, Ben. I just don't see how this is viable still at some point we can't stop feeding these beasts for nothing and i agree with that and uh maybe something will change uh i don't know that people's drive to do stuff is going to i don't know maybe maybe it'll eliminate some careerists from the mix i can guess but that doesn't seem right it doesn't (laughs) seem right to me that the quality of someone's work uh could possibly be as high if they're like, I'll get to that after I work my eight-hour job. Like if you if you were Neil Young, who you invoked earlier, I think did you? Uh, maybe you didn't. I don't think so. Uh, maybe I just was thinking of him. You know, he's. I mean, that's a bad example. He's from the old school, but he's ostensibly got all day to <laughs> to maybe work on a song. You and could, <laughs> you could probably record a Neil Young record after work. <laughs> These days, you probably could. I, I like Neil Young. Yeah, I, I like but. a lot of his output as well. No, maybe a bad example. But I guess I'm saying, like... One I mean, re- that's what I do, so I don't have that much, like... Sympathy? Yeah. It's not that I don't have sympathy, but I, I, I we're in a weird time, so it's kind of like that outrage. If you're going to be outraged about it, like, your shit better be pretty good. It's yeah. kind of like, I don't really feel that much sympathy for people who can't, like make it and live off it because I made a decision not to a while ago right. I, I just but you still make the music I still make the music so it's yeah. kind of like I don't know but I I, I don't know I, I, I'm not I agree with you looking outside of myself and just looking at the fact that these big companies are capitalizing off content it's sickening to me like yeah. it's the same I remember arguing with somebody that we both know about whether much music should be paying for uh, like royalties for videos? For videos. Yeah. And they didn't at one point when I, you know, when we had something on there. Now, because when you're as tiny as, you know, our band was, yeah. you would just be like, oh, thanks. Thanks so much, you know? Yeah. But really, it's it's like when you've got a small amount of money in the bank, everybody's small account adds up to a whole bunch of money that they're making more money off of. Right. So you should be able to, and it, it finally kind of like caught up and whoever got paid after, that was disagreeing with me I'm sure they were happy to get the extra dough yeah yeah 
out of principle that should occur, but it's it's really difficult to expect that the population is going to. I don't know how it's going to change. I'm not a mastermind in that area. The whole model doesn't make sense because the much music thing you described or the radio was playing your songs, and ideally someone would be like, "Oh, that's a good song. What is that?" And they'd say, "Local rabbits, Ben Gunning." That person would then be like, "I'm going to make a point of buying that thing that I heard promoted to me." Now everything is. Not everything can be promotion. Not everything is basically like, no, uh, we don't have to give you money for that podcast. We've given you the opportunity to promote it. That's weird. And that is like, super weird. And I think all the music streaming services are like, no. The idea is that people get to hear it for free, and then if they like it, they'll buy it on Bandcamp. Of course they say, yeah, yeah. But who's doing that? No, I I agree with you, but I don't really. I don't know a way out, and I try I not. Either. I don't really try to let that. Conce- it could be transient, but I mean, I don't mean to mire us in this muck. No, no. But I, I've, I've, hey, I've debated it many times. The the bummer part of it is also for the for the consumer of the stuff. Again, I just feel that as a consumer of content, if you will. Yeah. And I say content because I'm using the same cynical term that is used, you know, like yeah, yeah, in yeah. those circles. Yeah. It's difficult to have the kind of attention that you would have previously. I already mentioned that before, but it's yeah. that's the real downside because it's a vicious circle in that sense because you have so much of it. You don't. It's harder to develop a bond with something. So if, if, it's if harder it, to develop it, a bond if I hit add on my phone. Like I'm just using my phone and hitting add. Exactly. And then I'm I'm not proud of the fact that I have all this music on my music streaming service library you're not going to get the outrage required by the general public to kind of move the move the bar i oh, don't think the, you know it, what i mean it's, it's just the, not it's the opposite everyone outrage. thought they should get everything for free that's what's going on and so, it's it's devaluing i remember Foo fighters being on tv kind of being pro napster and kind of making it's nice that they made their money you know but yeah, they were yeah, like yeah. And it always irked me, and because Metallica are geeks or whatever, or the drummer was very outspoken about it. He's a huge nerd, and Lars, yeah, Lars, and <laughs> and uh, he was very like, but he was painted at the time as being very kind of like old school. But I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, he, he you should have ended, to pay he, for shit. He know, ended like, up being right a little bit. I think so. Yeah. I don't know if every, yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird. Everyone, now, now, everyone everyone, now it's very hip to be like okay. We should be getting paid, and it's all everywhere. And yeah. I'm, I'm sort of like ambivalent because I've kind of been through all, all of those. Like, that was my opinion at the time, but I'm kind of like, yeah. But I also see a lot of, like, even on an underground level, there's so much, cu- like, sort of like curation of one's brand. And it's yeah, so I, fucking corporate and cynical right. at such an early stage that I'm, like, kind of sickened by that as well. So I'm like, F you guys. Like, I, I yeah. don't care if you make money. Like, I just, I figured out to make money doing something else. Right. And I don't, you know, like, and and I wish things were different in some ways, but that's the balance I kind of struck. Yeah. So why am I going to care about some kind of like really calculating brand oriented? Right. I don't know. That sounds like I'm an old fart, but especially when there's no real path that is viable for you, it's a bit odd. Yeah, it's it's hard. Well, I just think it has to be somewhere at the front of mind. Like what we're contributing to, what we're doing, and it's a it's a huge conversation that you and I are not going to solve no. tonight. But Let's I'm glad, talk about stuff we like, though. Well, I'm glad you indulged me in talking about it. I do want to ask you, uh, as we sort of start to wrap up about nature uh, generally, because you talked about how 
you made a conscious decision not to be as dense with your lyrics, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe the if not the maybe the singing or the, the the words maybe weren't front of mind in terms of what you were trying to convey. But is there an overarching theme lyrically or conceptually to this record? No, but I think it just naturally, no pun intended, <laughs> fell into uh, <laughs> some of the previous records I made were very very exacting uh, indictments of the culture or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas this is uh, a little bit more reflective. I'm tr- not trying to. Like, I feel more like I want to write um, about how I feel. It's about how personal, I feel and how personal. I respond. I, I yeah. feel like there's always got to be um, the, the, the cultural kind of thing is always there and so I always try to bring some concrete elements in and but I I don't know I just I've said a lot as far as nitpicking and I feel like I want to explore how I feel and the a lot of the imagery that is invoked is uh, about natural surroundings and so that's all the only reason called nature but there's no I didn't write it going like this is the sequence and this is what I'm trying to say still spend a long time on the lyrics and for me to like get something that I don't think is corny takes a while yeah uh, but yeah it's just a little bit of a different approach because I'm trying to be a little bit more in tune with what I want to listen to I love listening to instrumental music most of the time I listen to music because a lot of time I find lyrics are not speaking to me I don't think they're maybe challenging a lot of time occasionally you get some artists who are amazing and do you have a favorite lyricist uh, that's a good question I will admit it's an easy one for me to grab but I'm always afraid to say a favorite or because I I've exposed this to enough people that I don't want it to be a a grabbable thing but I'm a huge Steely Dan fan and that was a band that had a big influence on me I think because back to my listening to music when I was younger and how, using their normal like radio channels and all that like for listening to music it was they were a bit different and a little bit like more R&B influenced even yeah. though I was, you're listening to a rock station you'll hear this stuff yeah. but on top of it it was very taboo to like them like being in an indie band it was sure. one of those bands that I enjoyed saying I liked and arguing with people about now it's kind of common that everybody well young people tell me like likes them yeah. bad bad not good we're on this show just raving about steely dan yeah it's it's kind of like if if you meet somebody who like claims to hate steely dan it's like almost like they're a square now but it was the opposite when i was coming up and uh i so think the the slickness of their presentation kind of hid the darkness of the lyrics absolutely the, the yeah, yeah. nature of what they were they seem just as they critical. are some of the best lyricists i mean i love Joni mitchell i love uh Thomas Dolby is an underrated songwriter. He's known for like the novelty song uh, "She Blinded Me with Science," but his album "Golden Age of Wireless" is amazing. Oh, I don't uh, know it. I'll check that out. I really like uh, Ryan Power as a contemporary guy. Uh, he's one of the only kind of singer-songwriters I relate to these days. Not that I'm out there seeking it that closely. I follow these weird paths and I just do my own thing. I'm so out of touch with. I don't read any kind of like taste aggregators you know I just I kind of just like I go on SoundCloud or I go like 
or listen to like something that a friend whose taste I trust likes, and I hang out with all weirdos who like deep shit. So right, yeah, I end up on usually like instrumental kind of paths. And do you relate to hip hop still or ever? I used to, but uh, and I and this is not a judgment call. I just it's not a zone that I. It almost became like a very mainstream form and a very profitable form or something and uh, it kind of turned me off like even the old stuff like I you know I loved of uh, course like a lot of like 90s and early 2000s hip hop and if, it's difficult for people to realize that that was not cool in indie circles at the time but I assure you it was not like R&B in particular it was just not it was different it yeah, was separate yeah, yeah. it's you couldn't even say you don't like it now. You know, it's like, it's part of the thing that you're supposed to be into. Like, you have to even claim to like it. So, yeah. you know, now you go into a cafe, it's like 90s hip-hop and R&B is like playing Beatles or something. It's I only, feel like you know, you've, it's, incorporate, it's everywhere, right? you've incorporated a fair amount of R&B into your solo output. Absolutely. And there's a, there's a baseline of like R&B kind of like, Maybe production choices or like even harmonic leaning or something Absolutely. like that. Yeah, I've always um, thought that. Yeah, but as a genre right now, I don't relate to it. But I just shift. I have to go where I'm interested, yeah. and I've been listening to a lot more house music and weirdo like abstract stuff, and right. And I still like trying to get some lyrics in there. So that was the outcome, basically. Okay, okay, okay. So the lyrics are personal. Are they influenced by either? directly or maybe if you think on it is being a parent influencing you as a writer uh that has i've written a bit about that but not a ton there's one song massive love that i wrote for one of my kids yeah um, 2016 or something was yeah it, it was yeah. on the previous record yeah um but it's usually kind of like in my head kind of stuff i sometimes just I just if you're angry at the world now. Oh, I'm not. Maybe you are. Are you not? You're not. <laughs> I'm, if, I'm not angry at the world. If you're critical of the world and how it's developing, I think when you become a parent that and I've always had that a little bit of like opposition to what's going on, but I think as a parent it becomes a little more um, urgent. You're kind of more concerned about what's going to happen with your kids. Do you have that a little bit? Yes. Uh, however, that would be a bad motivator for lyrics because I can acknowledge I try to go multiple layers down in the heat of the moment I can be very uh, like aggressive with my language yes because I, I I don't know how you feel but I would love for my kids to live in a Norman Rockwell painting and I don't think there's anything wrong with that and when you're surrounded by like such Wolves, you know, and and just negative things, but also trying to explain like the reality of like the privilege of our country, the privilege of our family, and all that's good. Like they're way ahead of us. Like my daughter's fourteen, and she's a brainiac. And just the baseline, the vocabulary for this stuff is is incredible. Growing up in downtown Toronto, it's amazing. Like yeah. I had to get there from an ignoramus suburban kind sure. of point of view yeah. to, to to where she is already at 14. But anyways, I may spin your question like, yes, 
it does impact me, but that doesn't directly impact my writing. I, I'm, I'm with or without kids. I try to be very thoughtful about the world I'm yeah. living in. It's changing really fast. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of untapped area for writing, period, and it's not being tapped because people don't feel like it maybe it fits into a tune, and maybe it doesn't, but I'm happy to try it. Yeah. But I want to do it in a way that is maybe not as obtuse as it was before, or or maybe it is. It really depends on, on my mood. <laughs> yeah, you're always shifting. But my shifting. main goal is don't be corny yeah. by my own standard. Right. And that means, like, don't patronize people. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Be genuine to your tastes. Have good tastes. I can't help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Ben. So uh, what's next for you? I mean, nature is just a few weeks old, right? Or a month? When did this come out, this record? Uh, well, you can make it any time you want when you're doing Sometime in 2019. Like yeah, right? it was this year. Like, yeah. uh, it was something. August 1st, maybe? Okay, right. Something like that. So what's, Summer. Ne- what's next for you? Well, I am involved in a few other projects with some, like, uh, amazing folks in town that I've become really tight with so I put out an actual speaking of vinyl records of a real slab with uh, my friend Joseph Shabison and that's like very out there kind of uh, abstract kind of stuff uh, which I'm really happy with so that's on a label called Seance Center is that um, uh, instrumental based or yeah okay yeah, yeah. it's uh, you'd have to check it out I mean the term ambient is used very broadly to describe I, would, I wouldn't put it sound exactly <laughs> I would say it's spacious there's a lot of room sound but I think it stands apart from maybe some of the output you might be hearing but it's hard to tell there's so much good stuff out there it's, I can't really go down that path without uh, referencing actual music but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really happy with that but I've got some other sort of left to center pop music if you will that I'm making with Rob and Dan from Bernice yeah. I don't know yeah so yeah. We have put out an EP in the past, and we're putting out another one uh, shortly, or we'll probably drop a tr- tune from it. We have a whole record that we've got almost in the can now, and so that's been a trip. Uh, so really happy with that. That's going to come out at some point soon. And I make music with Tom Gill, who's also in Bernice, good friend of mine now. Good friend of mine. And we yeah, there we go. Yeah. So we do uh, yeah. like house music, but it's way left to center. We're starting to work on some... Uh, vocal house track so we're just oh, figuring cool. out how to like bring in some cronies and maybe some people outside the scene and just for fun experiment with that so uh, that started as a kind of a, not a ruse but like at a bar we were like yeah we should just do like house tracks and then we I'm like one to actually follow up so we <laughs> started getting together and hang out every you know month or two and just continue cracking very busy it. you're a busy guy then yeah and a couple other things I got a project with a guy in um, Sao Paulo oh. over the internet and we released an EP of that so I like to stay busy and it's great you man. know no, it's keep good. making good stuff so where can people go to learn more about all of these things uh, well, they could put my name into a browser and then they'll see a bunch of stuff. But uh, is it all over the place, or do you have like a Bandcamp or uh, some? I have a SoundCloud that's got a little. Th- that, that would be a good okay. home base for like the different projects that I've got. And then I'm on, depending on what the project is, like almost everything's on Spotify, etc. So okay, no, no not, website. I'm not plugging Spotify. I have a really out of date website that because I can't. I'm really, really shit at admin, so like, <laughs> I can do like one thing at a time. Like, I can yeah. post to Instagram, but I don't even like posting things that are meaningless. So I try to f- 
do a nice photo once in a while, but yeah. I can't. I can't keep pumping out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. There's a lot so, of stuff you're supposed so to. So, website is. I don't. Do people go to websites? I don't know. I always ask at the end, and almost everyone's like, "Just go to my Instagram." I don't think I do. So I'm yeah. gonna probably n- nuke it at some point. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. I have. I need one. I put all my stuff on there. Oh yeah, it's good. You right. need a home base. So. <laughs> okay. So Ben Gunning on Instagram. If there's a song from nature that we could go out on, which one would you select? Uh hmm. Well, it's it's kind of varied, but the last one that we kind of released, if you will, yeah, is called Contour Rivalry. Okay, doesn't flow off the tongue, but uh, Contour Rivalry. Where does the name even come from? That is a, a picture that has two different pictures in it based on the negative image, right? So, oh, oh, okay. like the vase with the two faces. That's right. what that's called. Okay, what inspired uh, what inspired the song? The lyric oh, just about uh, my own weaknesses, and uh, it's kind of an ode to friends and family for uh, sticking with me, or <laughs> I'm like I'm the awe that you know that I an appreciation that I still have. Oh, that's people nice. that like me, you know. Okay, uh, that's I like you, Ben. What it is. I Thank like you, Ben. I, you I, don't know I, me that well. <laughs> <laughs> I know you a little Joking. bit. Yeah. No, here we go. All right, this is Contra Rivalry by Ben Gunning from his new album, Nature. Ben, I hope you had a good time. I had a good time. Thanks for being on the show, and best of luck with everything. Thanks for letting me uh, spew my thoughts. Me too. I spewed. <laughs> we both spewed. It was fine. Lots of spewing. <laughs>
Well, that was fun for me to flash back to uh, December of 2019 before there was a pandemic, before I moved to Alberta and uh, while I was still in Ontario when I, you know, was settling all family business and trying to meet with people before I split town. And that is why we all got to hear Ben Gunning on the 544th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and other things too as I talked to Ben about it's just on everything it's just there for free enjoy it 
enjoy it. It's, it's fine. I hope you enjoy it. Also, if you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me directly at vishkana. Now, if you can, go to patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to the podcast. That is the primary and only real source of revenue uh, for the show. So please, if you like Creative Control and like, would like to see it continue and maybe even flourish somehow, please go to patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation today. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, thanks as always to Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, some music of his on the program. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with uh, me and Ben Gunning and for possibly following or subscribing to the show and keeping up with it and telling your friends to do the same. And that's all I got to say. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.